we are back for another edition of the Half Court Press Podcast. It's been a little bit, a mm-hmm. couple weeks. Couple we weeks. had Christmas and New Year's, and Chris, you got to relax a little bit. I got to relax How a was your bit. New Year's? Great. Yeah? What'd you New do? Year's was good. Well, I watched basketball on New <laughs> Year's, really? actually. Yeah, and New Year's Eve was a relaxing day. Stayed at home. Yeah. Tried to tend to the dogs who yeah. were dealing with fireworks. They don't like it. Oh, yeah. Mine doesn't either. Um, so, Loki, Loki New Year's yeah. Eve. And then basketball centric ever since. Yeah, I was gonna say the next day was was Creighton Marquette. Yeah. What about you? How are you feeling? Uh, it was good. Um, uh, I had friends that got married on New Year's Eve, which is a weird experience to go to a wedding on a Tuesday night and on New Year's it, Eve. I guess it's a thing. It's a. By it, the way. it is a thing. I because I was, was talking. To, I didn't either yeah. until. I so saw, I saw a wedding party down in downtown Omaha. Did you on really? New Year's Eve, leaving uh, Creighton's practice. I mean, it's so. a nice idea. Um, it's, cold. it's a cold. It's a cold idea. Yeah, it is a cold idea um, in a lot of ways. Um, but it was <laughs> yeah, funny. It, it was funny because actually, uh, in in the way that our lives work, uh, I turned my phone to mute at six o'clock. I mean, I mean it was probably five fifty-five. So we get all set under the church. The wedding is over at six thirty. I turn on my phone and hey, Nebraska had gotten a recruit thirty minutes ago, mm. and so I let, so so they were doing a receiving line, um, like the going to each pew, like you know hugging everybody as to, to leave them out. So I ran out to my car and uh, turned it on, and I wrote a story in my notes app while fireworks were going off behind me, and they were running out onto the party bus, and I was like, this is the weirdest place that i yes. filed a story uh so it was it was good basketball so you, just so, intrudes right nebraska basketball recruiting now is what like two for three on holidays in terms thanksgiving of they skipped christmas right. which i appreciated but then they got new year's eve um i have covered a new a christmas day football commit have you ever have you ever had that no before? i don't think so andrew ward uh committed on christmas day 2016 maybe okay um so yeah, I mean, I it think never I think this was before I was on the beat, but I think Mitch Ballack for Creighton committed on Super Bowl Sunday. Did he really? Yeah, and actually, I did cover a Super Bowl Sunday commit for for Nebraska football. I think yeah. once you covered Nebraska football but, long enough, you probably hit all of them. Yeah, they, you hit most of the holidays. But why did Mitch Ballack do it on like was it? I don't know. Who cause, knows? Because he was a Super Bowl. I doubt that it had anything to do with Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> he, he just, just had like decided. Yeah, isn't that what it is? Like nobody really, they're not thinking about. Well, Andrew Ward gave it as a Christmas gift to his mom. Oh, okay. Yeah, which was yeah. kind of sweet. That is neat. Um, let's well, talk. Let's well, I was going to say, I was yeah. just going to say, Happy New Year. Yeah, Merry New Christmas uh, to all our listeners. We really appreciate you um, sticking with us and, and listening. Sorry, we, again, we took a, a, a couple day, a couple weeks off. But, but I think a lot of people to, did too. Right, trying to fit schedules together. But we're back now. We'll be on a regular routine, uh, talking hoops, Nebraska and Creighton, as they uh, make their way through two really, really tough conferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll start yeah. with the Jays. I mean, this is a... Uh, Creighton's hosting Villanova. We're recording this on a Monday. Uh, tomorrow, the Jays are going to host Villanova for, I, I don't know, to, to this point, it's the biggest game of the season, and it might end up being the most important game of the year. I like it, It's obviously an opportunity for Creighton to make a statement. Um, Villanova has won the league every year but one since the Big East re- reconstruction. Um, it's the class of the league, and it's you know that the Wildcats are going to be there at the end. Um, and you have them on the, your home court, and so um, it's it's a it's a chance for the Jays to kind of you know like let people you, you sort of say hey like here we are mm-hmm. We're, we we are we we are contenders for if if you want to be Big East contenders you have to win uh, games on your home court especially against the top tier teams in the in the conference so 
it's I'm, a chance for them to I'm do that. I'm curious about something. I mean, I don't disagree, but I think some people might hear you saying, I mean, this is the biggest game of the year so far, mile marker game. How important is it? Because it's early January. Right. I mean, it's only January. It's going to be January 7th when that game happens. But what happens if they win? What can t- t- the trajectory and what just happens? And what happens if they lose? Like, why Why is this an important game? Well, for both, I, both yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Because in the end, it's one of 18, right? Like, right. they have 18 league games. and, and um, But I don't know. I think it's more about a, like a... It's not, it's nothing, it's not, it's, it's the intangibles. It's the, it's the, the message that Creighton's going to send to the rest of the league. The Jays haven't, uh, they weren't a title contender last year, you know, like, um, this, this team has the makeup, the potential to, to do it in a league that from top to bottom, there's not a lot of difference between one and 10. And at this point, even after a week, we've seen a couple of teams emerge, um, after a week of play, but it certainly still feels pretty wide open. And if the Jays were to knock off Villanova um, and kind of, you know, sort of plant their flag in the hunt and say, "Hey, like we, we we're right here," I think that's I think that's what it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's less about. Um, I don't I, like. I don't know if it's going to have, like, from from a team standpoint. I don't know if it'll have a lingering effect one way or the other. I I do think it'd be a major confidence boost. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. With um, that. But I don't know. I don't know if it would, you know, if the season hinges on this, I wouldn't say that, but I think it is a pivotal moment. Yeah. It's, I think it's a statement game of like, yeah, pl- like I think it's a good way like planting your flag yeah. and saying like, Hey, we're legitimate. This well, year. you think like Villanova, um, I tweeted this out today, like Villanova is 16 and two coming off losses and big, biggies play. Like really the, Villanova's dominated this league, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so Conventional wisdom would say Villanova just lost to Marquette. Like, it doesn't lose very often in the Big East, even though it's going on the road back-to-back games. Like, it's it. Villanova's coming into Omaha like, hey, this this is our game. Like, we this is our league. We expect to win it. And if Creighton were able to kind of flip that on Nova, and mm-hmm. and I think it sends a message not only to Nova but the rest of the league that that Creighton's ready because everyone knows what Villanova is and, mm-hmm. and knows how tough it is to. I mean, Villanova's had one losing streak in six years in league play. Um, to 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 give them another L to put them at one and two, they've never been one and two, or they've never had a losing record in league play. Hmm. Uh, the Wildcats have since since re, since Big East reconstruction. So uh, that's why I think it's it's just it's an it's an opportunity to kind of put everyone on notice. And uh, I don't think so Villanova's we'll quite what they were that, the last and that's couple years. Agreed. Yeah, but but still. They're not, not, I mean, they're not nothing. There's nothing right. to sniff at. Yeah. It's also, so that, I mean, just like the last time these two teams played, they went to overtime. Yeah, that was last year mm-hmm. um, where Creighton was, Tyshawn Alexander didn't play in that game. The Jays had kind of switched up their plan and played slow and um, and tried to grind their way yeah. to win and almost almost got it. Probably yeah. should have got it. But uh, yeah, you're right. Villanova isn't the, the Villanova that it has been. But I think you always gotta. If you want to be the champ, you gotta beat the champs. Right? Isn't that what they yeah. say, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the the Wildcats are the reigning Big East champions, and um, they were my pick in the preseason to win the league because you gotta knock them off before you beat them. So right. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how the Jays do, and you know, it it shapes up to be a really exciting game. Creighton um, is one of the best offenses in the country, and so is Villanova. Both teams have had their issues defensively; they have their flaws. So to me, it seems like a game that's going to be sort of a 
punches being thrown from both sides mm-hmm. type thing where, mm-hmm. where one team hits you with a 10-0 run and the other team answers with a 10-2 run. Um, it, I think it should be uh, a really competitive game. And uh, if you're Creighton, that's, that's one, it's one of the reasons, you know, when you say, hey, Villanova's maybe not at the level that it has been, another reason why you got to win it. Right. It's, a, it's another thing, too, where I feel like the Big East, there's kind of just like a circle of like six or seven teams that at any point can kind of shoot out and be. And I think this is Creighton's opportunity to be like, all right, Villanova is a little bit worse. We're a little bit better this year. We're going to kind of maneuver a little bit up over these guys. And then, you know, maybe this is one of those years where, uh, I don't know, Big Ten-wise, and we'll talk about the Big Ten later, but you don't really know how good somebody is for a while. And so Nebraska beats Purdue, and you're like, oh, it's a good win. And then Purdue only scores 37 points in a basketball game, and you're like, oh, they're bad. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, for, from another outside perspective. For Villanova, it's interesting to me because it's like, okay, how good is Villanova? And this is also kind of like, a, well, I think the Marquette game showed how good Creighton actually is. But I think this could be another moment for Creighton to, to really say, hey, we are this good. Look yeah. what we did to Villanova at home. Yeah, and I think, yeah. Again, I said it earlier, but like, if, if you want to contend for a Big East title, which I think the Jays have the chance, they have a chance at doing that, you got to win at home. And beating the reigning champs at home would, would send a message that you're capable of doing that. Do you want um, to talk Big East overall? Yeah, we can. I think that I'm still, and maybe that's why I've kind of framed it this game in this way, but like I'm still kind of in the gathering data mode sure. for, the, for the Big East. Like I don't know... It, I'm not 100% sold on – if you if you pin me down and said who's the favorite today, I would say Butler. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know if I really feel comfortable with that. Yeah. So, um, Why? Just because they, they, they still sometimes when I see Butler at 14-1, I'm always like, eh, it seems like a mid-major 14-1 where they haven't played anybody. But they, I mean, but they have. They've gotten some decent wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, their only losses to top five Baylor team and the loss by one on Baylor's home court. Uh, they play really tough defense. I think that I think it's more the the brand, the style that they play with. Like Kamar Baldwin is a really good player, and he can he makes tough shots. And but he doesn't necessarily he doesn't have a, he doesn't play with a lot of flash mm-hmm. and a lot of flair. And they just have a team full of guys like that. That um, you know if they're open, they're going to make it. Uh, they're going to rebound, play tough, and not make mistakes. So like they kind of just they don't jump off the page. And their resume, like you said, it doesn't really jump off the page, but they're just solid. I mean, to be to be a one loss team at this point in the year, yeah, no matter who you are, it says something. Mm-hmm. The, the consistency that they play with, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of tabbed them at, at this point as as the quote unquote the favorite going in. If you if you could play, pick, but. so if you don't feel comfortable about Butler, do you have like three? I know you're still collecting data, but yeah. are there three or four teams that you like more than others? Well, I like yeah, I like Butler, I like Villanova. Um, Seton Hall. Seton yeah. Hall was. <laughs> yeah, they got Miles Powell, and if you have Miles <laughs> Powell, you got a chance. Yeah, and it's kind of a similar thing with Marquette with with Marcus Howard. Creighton did a good job of of limiting him in Omaha, and then he goes off against Villanova and leads the Golden Eagles to a big time win. So, I I I I'm almost like give me, I'll give you the teams that I don't believe in. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair. Like Georgetown, yeah. I, I'm. I'm uh, they they look like they're going to have some issues, mm-hmm. um, especially defensively. I think Providence, even though it's two and zero, or is it two and zero? I think yeah, they're two and zero. I don't know if if the offense is sustainable. But they beat Georgetown at DePaul. Right, DePaul's another team that hasn't figured out how to 
like win close games yet. So that's going to be a, a challenge and an issue in, in league play. But there's, I mean, those teams aren't bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, there really isn't a, it's, it's similar. Uh, I mean, you get this in a lot of conferences, but you just, it's, you can't have it. You can't take a night off. Yeah. Like I think even a bad shooting night that Creighton could have, even if it's against Georgetown, like you still have to kind of be on your piece. Because you got to find a way you know? to, yeah. And that was, I think one of the things that, um, um, that the Jays were encouraged about until Butler, you know, mm-hmm. on Saturday, the Jays went to Butler and shot. I mean, to be fair, they, they're still encouraged about their ability to kind of find ways to win, even though it, they weren't able to against Butler. But to me, it was it was notable because it's the first time in Big East play that they it's, it's the league just started, obviously. But like they ran into a team that slowed the pace down. Creighton had two fast break points. Um, really? They got. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, they limited um, Creighton's ability to kind of just space the floor and move the ball and, and work together offensively, kind of the collaborative style that Creighton's used to. Um, the Jays had seven assists, which is the lowest total they've had in three years. Um, so Butler dictated the game flow. And then on top of that, Creighton shot four of 22 from three. So Butler dictated a lot of things, and the Jays weren't able to find a way to win. And, and you know, given the Big East and the makeup of some of these teams, that, the, that Creighton's going to be in games like that. And so... Um, it's won games like that already. Oklahoma, Arizona State, Texas Tech, Louisiana Tech, but uh, you know, now it's Big East play. So it's like it's almost yeah. a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, these teams know Creighton really well. They know exactly uh, what the Jays like to do, and and uh, they have some their own tactics and strategies to try to take those things away. Um, so that to me is, I'm, I'm very like. Obviously, I think Tuesday is very important, and and it's an opportunity for Creighton to make a statement. But after that, the Jays go to Xavier, to Georgetown, Providence at home, uh, to DePaul, and like those four games, they could all be sort of like grinders. Yeah, they could. Yeah, they could take that form. I don't know if Georgetown will. That's mm-hmm. usually a game that could go up tempo a little bit with the way Georgetown plays, but um, it's it's not going to be easy on the road, and I, like. It's an op- that stretch is an opportunity for Creighton to really make a move. Mm-hmm. I think Villanova is sort of the uh, the way where you introduce yourself, and then after that you can make a move. But um, obviously, easier said than done. The Jays have to to take care of business. So, so there. So Ken Palm wise, in the next eight games, the projected score is within at most. Let's see, at most seven, mm-hmm. and that's once. I mean, you've got three, four, two. Here's one three five one i mean like this is this is the <laughs> way that it's gonna is, be yeah. yeah every that's what i mean every game to, yeah right. it's gonna be important right so we'll see what they can do um i i'm i'm interested in against villanova i'm interested to see uh creighton creighton right now is is uh last nine games they are holding teams to 0.9 points per possession mm-hmm. uh 37 percent from the floor, field goal percentage, defensive field goal percentage. Can that defense, can they maintain that defense? Can they carry that defense again over to a game, in a game against Villanova where uh, the Wildcats are the most efficient offense in the league? The Wildcats have length and height. They'll have that advantage at like three of the five positions on the floor, maybe four of the five positions on the floor. Um, Villanova's really good. That All those guys that, that Nova has 
are good at attacking the rim and also making jump shots. Like they, they put a lot of pressure on you um, and, and your defense's ability to sort of stay connected to at times you have, at times you they'll force you to help. And at times they kind of bait you into helping because then they know that they can just mm-hmm. kick it back out for a jump shot or reverse the ball and then find a, uh, another lane to attack or an open look. So it, it's going to take a lot. I, I'm, I'm curious about Creighton's defense, how, uh, the improvements that it's shown up until this point, um, if it can carry that over against Villanova, that that's important. But obviously, the Jays are going to have to score to beat Villanova, and so it, that's why it could shape up. You started looking at uh, started looking at NCAA sites yet? Um, yeah, I think Creighton's like twenty first in the net. Yeah, they're looking that's pretty a, good. That's right a good now. place to be. Yeah, uh, but maybe talk in February. I, th- sure. I would say. Um, you know what? I, I mentioned that stretch. Creighton right now is is three and three in quad one games, and then it's going to play Villanova, um, and then then Xavier, then Georgetown. That's three more quad one games. Mm-hmm. I think you'll have a better feel of of where they are after that. I started looking last I think, year. I guess Providence June, wouldn't yeah. be a quad one game, but then mm-hmm. after that, then they go to DePaul, another quad one. Then I think maybe uh, Xavier at home. But yeah, like. I, what I was gonna say was it I could started, turn very fast. So I was gonna say I took I started looking at NCAA ticket flights and hotels and all that on January fifteenth. That was the day after Nebraska beat Indiana last year. Mm. It's January seventh. So so you're right. It's it's smart, dude. What is Nebraska's record since like what was Nebraska's record That's a in really 2019? Good point. Okay, so in oh in the in the year 2019. Yeah, just like not I'm, great. I tell you that much, homie. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's see. Uh, they, so they were. Uh, they went from eleven and two to eighteen and sixteen. That's a good. That was would have been a good question of what they actually know, were in twenty nineteen. Yeah, I didn't even like actually. But you, you let's mentioned, see. How about you, I'll think about this way. They won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, let's see. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. They won fourteen games in the year. In the whole year, twenty nineteen. Yeah, because yeah, well, you, you mentioned like oh, January fifteenth thinking NCAA tournament and that's when the spiral happened oh yeah and I don't think I don't think that'll happen at Creighton I think Creighton's mentally stronger than Nebraska's team was last year yeah but they don't have a lot I think they're maybe that's the thing about it in college basketball though is like you know you're an injury away yeah from things being very difficult I know I know um even a team that that (coughs) like Creighton that seems to be in a good position so which to your point is why tomorrow is so important it's a good resume builder you kind of continue on the same track right yeah I think I think that's good. Um, yeah, the Huskers. Obviously, it's it's a different story. They're mm-hmm. they're in a different position. Playing uh, Iowa next mm-hmm. tomorrow night. Coming off a game against Rutgers, where Rutgers was just stronger and tougher, and yeah, it's kind of played out how you would imagine it would if Rutgers was locked in. Yeah, there was. I did a story earlier this year um, at the very beginning of the year <clears throat> about how like the weight, like how thick poundage wise each team is. Rutgers oh, yeah. is the thickest. And uh, like so they're the heaviest I, team. They're the heaviest yeah. team. That's the, that's the normal person way for me to say it, but I couldn't think of that word. Um, but when I saw that in, I think it was maybe October or November when I did that story, I remember thinking like, oh, this is not going to go very well yeah. when these two teams play. Um, Nebraska was close, but it was also one of those things where they were just worn down. I mean, you were just getting... I mean, Rutgers was so much better than Purdue at just getting to the bucket and finishing. And that was one thing that was so 
drastic in that game was when Rutgers went to the cup, they dunked it or they dished it and it was a pretty easy layup. But when Nebraska went to the cup, like there was a couple times when Deshaun Burke was like flailing because he got knocked and there wasn't a foul called and he hit the ground really hard or uh, people were changing their shot and trying to just, I mean, mm. it was just they one team was going strong and one team was not. And it was like, that's Nebraska's issue is they're not big enough. They can do those things. Um, the problem with tomorrow night is Luca Garza. Luca Garza. Yeah, he is who, that guy. He's on he's on I'm putting him on 2020 watch. Like he there's right. there's a legitimate chance he gets 20 points, 20 rebounds. Like it's an issue. I didn't even realize. Do you know what his last game, his the last stats were for the Penn State game? Mm-mm. He had like 34 and 15. Like he is on a roll. And, and Penn State has some dudes too. And Penn so State's like, extremely yeah. good. Yeah. The thing about Luca is, and I'm sure like he he is you know you how you make those lists if you're a fan. In, in a, like of players we hate in this league, like mm-hmm. he's probably on a lot of people's list. But I love the dude, man. He plays so hard. He does. There's such emotion with him. I I gotta imagine he's licking his chops after watching the Rutgers. Film. Has to be. Has to be. And and that's one thing too, where Iowa, you know, they have some. You know, Jordan Bohannon's not playing, so they're basically, and they're also down a couple guys. Um, I saw a report today on on Twitter that they've got some guys that are sick. Oh. Um, and some guys kind of coming back and even with Jordan, I mean, you could tell after Jordan Bohannon left, it was like, all right, it's the Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp show. Like if we can't get, so we're going to throw it to Luca and if he can score awesome, if he can't throw it to Joe, see if he can do something. If not, then like try it again. And so it's like just these two. So that's the one thing that's interesting too, is, you know, with Rutgers, they were one of the worst three point shooting teams in the country. And so it was like, you could try and pack it in and just hope that they don't make some threes. And I think they only had four or five, which is like their season average. Um, with Purdue, who again only scored 37, 38 points in a game, who they're clearly not very good, but their Nebraska's defense worked because they were just like, we're going to make you make shots. Purdue didn't. Purdue didn't finish at the rim. With Iowa, it's an issue because it's not like, okay, you got Luka and we're going to put three guys on him or we're going to go zone and make sure we have him no matter what. But Iowa, I mean, they can make 10, 11, 12 threes in a game. And they're a good shooting team, yeah. especially Joe Wieskamp. And so that's that's the issue where it's like you have to pick your poison. And Nebraska's not that great defensively anyway. Um, the one kind of – the thing about Iowa is they always kind of leave the door open a little bit because they're really not that great defensively. Um, I feel like they've been better. So I they're bet. 13th in scoring defense okay. in the Big Ten right now. Never but mind. at the same time, though, at the same time, though, some of that is, you know, they, they're a high-volume possession team, so you okay, get more that's possessions or whatever. It, yeah. But that's the one thing about Iowa is they're always really good offensively, but they then on defense, they're not great. Now, I will say – Last year against Nebraska, they were fantastic. I mean, Fran McCaffrey coached an incredible game, um, threw out so many different defenses, got Isaiah Roby in foul trouble and, and ran away with it. That was in Iowa City. And then the, the game at PBA last year, I don't know if people – I mean, people probably remember. It was the beginning of the of the um, the Johnny Trubrod renaissance. Yeah. Um, and so the Nebraska – we were talking about this with a couple of reporters at practice today. Um, they made nine straight – shots in the final 47 seconds and uh and went to overtime and then ended up winning um anyway this is a small tangent but iowa always leaves the door open a little bit so if nebraska can actually make some shots and go up and down then maybe this could be close the problem is is the last two games nebraska shot less than 35 percent from the floor it's the first time that that's happened so the last game they played against Rutgers um was their second worst shooting night of the season um they did actually didn't shoot very well against texas and corpus christi so it's one of those things where, okay, maybe the trend is going toward 
it's going to happen again. They're on a funk. They can't. They don't really know. They're they're not finding their shots. Or you kind of go up to the mean and you have a good shooting right. night after a while. So it does. And you said this earlier on the podcast, but like this is a team. Actually, you tweeted the roller coaster. Uh, oh yeah. Gif like. When was that? After it was after Purdue, maybe um, Purdue, yeah. But yeah, but we kind of talked about how it it would kind of go up and down a little bit, mm-hmm. and I, maybe yeah. This it, is it, the team Nebraska has. They're gonna it, it it it's entirely on how they show up that day. Come like because like they practice well. Fred Hoiberg's obviously a good coach. Like this is this is the hand that you're dealt with. Here's and my it's, it's just you don't know if they're gonna shoot well. You don't know if they're gonna shoot poorly. Or if they're going to be motivated or, motivated or not, like it's just that's what you've got. It's it's interesting because like while we do look at sort of the game to game with Nebraska, there's always sort of this sense of like this year is the foundation, the opportunity for the Huskers to set the foundation. It's more about like projecting out mm-hmm. and looking ahead. And you just wrote a story about like Iowa State's first year in a Fred, where they whether sixteen and sixteen. Do you have a sense of what, like, as fans are watching these games, like, what what things should we be looking for to to try to assess progress, you know? Like, yeah. what, what defining characteristics do you think came out of that first year when Fred was at Iowa State? Are they the same now? Or, like, yeah. what what yeah. what does success it's maybe a good, look like? Because the, the good win question. total isn't, I mean... Yeah, it doesn't really. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. the win total because they're building towards something. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a really good question because maybe I, we don't know it yet. I well, so the thing is, is so that story was birthed out of this idea of so they were thirteen and two going into conference play, and then Iowa State was. Yeah, Iowa yeah. State. Fred Hoiberg's very first year, and so this, it's just this idea of we always talk about how they were sixteen and sixteen, and you can take that fact and move on immediately quickly. You're like, okay, they're 500 and then you move on. But if you actually dissect it, they lost 10 in a row at one point near the end of the year and lost 12 of 13. And it's one of those things where if Nebraska this year lost 12 out of 13 games from January 8th to February 22nd, at some point there would be someone somewhere thinking, well, this isn't the guy or, well, this isn't working or this, you know, just like, like panic mode. But this happened at Iowa State. The next year they went to the NCAA tournament. The year after that, I mean, just things really started going. So I wanted to know, and I've been talking with that or editor about this, of just like, what's this really like? Like, what is it like to actually go through this? And so as someone who loved watching those teams in the early 2010s, it was great. I got to talk to Melvin Edgem for a little bit about it. Um, And I talked to Chris Babb, who was a transfer. And it's one of those things where in the moment you don't exactly understand what's happening but when you're in the you know big 12 tournament title game you're thinking back to like well this isn't the you know okay i know in the first big 12 title game they played in they um they they began like one of 15 from the floor Mm. um against baylor and kind of got into a little bit of a hole and it's one of those things where you harken back and you're like well we've done with this before we've been one of 15 from the floor before i remember my freshman year yeah you know what i mean and so and and also i remember my freshman year and now we're here and this is what i did to persevere through those tough times and so it, it was interesting to to talk to those guys i don't know specifically right now if there's anything that game by game you're looking at and saying, I feel good because of this. I think mm-hmm. the only thing I can think of, um, or at least something that I always look for, is when Nebraska, when it looks, so the Indiana game, 
the reason why Indiana and Purdue were so interesting to me was every time something happened, Nebraska always punched back. They hit a three. They got transition. Um, you know, they were able to force the other opponent to call a timeout. Like when when Nebraska's back is against the wall, do they fight? Do they actually go back? And maybe, that was and maybe that's what this year is and about. That, it's kind, because it kind of sounds like what you're saying with Iowa State. Because that's like, what they talked yeah. about. That's what Melvin Edgem talked about all the time. Yeah. And that's what so Fred Horberg, I talked to him about this. Um, and in those games, in that ten game losing streak. Um, they lost. Th- there was a lot of close games, and that was so. They lost to Oklahoma State in overtime. They lost to Oklahoma in overtime. Um, they played Kansas pretty close for a while. Uh, Kansas State, which ended up going to the NCAA tournament that year, they they won on kind of a fluky play. Jacob Pullen um, like lost the ball, and then it bounced off somebody's thigh and went right back to him, and he scored with you know like point two seconds left or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so it was when I was asking Fred Hoiberg about this, I was like, you know, this is your first year head coach. Like you've never coached a team before, um, how were you not panicking? I mean, like, what what was it like? Because that was one thing that the, the Melvin Edgen and Chris Babb said was Fred was so cool that we that we you know we respected that he didn't come out and run us like crazy because we were losing. He didn't scream at us. It was he was he was really calm, and that really calmed us. And the thing that I asked Fred, I was like, well, how did you stay calm? I mean, they're naturally. I mean, if you were if you lose 10 things in a row, yeah. like you're not going to feel great. No. And he was like, the one thing was we were out there battling every night and we were in the game and I saw the effort there. And so that's one thing where, you know, you don't want to like create a cop out for if Nebraska gets blown out or if they lose 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 games in a row, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, excuse it by any means. Mm-hmm. But the the reason why I think that they're le- Fred Hoiberg is legitimate and what he's saying of like, he's not panicking is if he sees fight, then that's fine. Cause again, win loss doesn't matter. It, it didn't matter to them that year either. That right. was, that was one thing Melvin Edgem said was so interesting was on all the basketball teams he's ever been on after a win, after a loss practices were different or the coach was different or body language is different. Um, and it wasn't on that team. And it was interesting even today at practice um, you know, Nebraska just got their butt kicked by Rutgers. I mean, got their butt kicked and everyone's all smiles. Every, I mean, it was a light practice. Hoiberg was, I mean, he, he was in a good mood. You know, Thor is, um, doing soccer skills over there. Shamil Stevenson like botched a dunk. Um, and everyone was laughing and joking with them. Like it was a light. And, and so there's two sides you can think of that. One is like, well, they're soft. They don't care. Um, you know, that they're not very good and they get it. Like they're throwing, they're punting on the season, whatever. Yeah. The other side of this is like, even the, even though they got their butt kicked against Rutgers, like they see progress and they're kind of moving in that way. The other side of this coin is the transfers that Iowa State had that first year, you know, Chris Babb, Royce White, um, Chris Allen, they dominated practice. And to the point where there was one story that, that Fred told me about, they were the scout team guys and mm-hmm. there was one day they were doing scout team stuff and you know, they got a Chris Babb got a, got a rebound and there was an outlet. It was like rebound outlet alley-oop dunk in like four seconds. And Bobby Lutz was the assistant coach at the time. And he whistled and he was like, guys, the guys we're playing are good, but they're not that good. So like, please stop. Um, and so that was the other reason why Fred felt good was like, okay, I understand we're, we're kind of, we're losing all these games in a row, but our transfers are going to be good. And I think they feel the exact same way about these transfers with mm-hmm. Derek Walker and Delano Banton. So anyway, a long winded answer, but I think how you look for progress, if you're a fan is like when their back is against a wall, do they come out and do they fight and do they ever quit? Um, that was one thing about Rutgers where they kind of, they were just worn down 
and they didn't really fight back. And so night by night, you have to see that. That's the one thing I think that's tangible. You can actually see. Yeah. I think the other thing, this is just my own personal. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Less about, um, it actually kind of ties into just sort of fight and, and kind of being able to absorb blows and go, but like, I think defensively the level of engagement and focus is something that I'm kind of like interested in watching. Like I, I'd like to watch a game in February mm-hmm. versus a game in December and see a difference in terms of the way that they're, you know, competing. Co- yeah. It, mm-hmm. it, competing, but also just, is there a, a more acknowledgement of what's going on around them? You know, like do they just seem more focused and locked in and less sort of flat footed mm-hmm. and just sort of like, Oh, yeah, we're playing defense. But <laughs> yeah, we're on the defensive end. Yeah, we're on we don't have the, the ball anymore. Court. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, that was one thing too. Because like, yeah, sure, the way that Fred Hoiberg has it set up, like they're going to be an elite offensive team and they're going to push pace and, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, especially when you add the transfers in. But they're also going to have to have sort of an element where it's seventy-five, seventy-five with three minutes left you got to get a stop yeah yeah so that and that's when I, and and it's like a, yeah. it's a level of just like i i, I wasn't 100 percent sure if when i watched like because i've watched them one time live mm-hmm. it was creating them yeah. not a good game yeah but that first half like there there wasn't a lot of effort correct and so that it's like i mean they turned it up as the game went on so you credit them for that but that's i guess that's kind of what i'm saying or looking for is like in february that you know when you turn on the game it's like yeah. okay yeah there's there's improvement there yeah like they, and, they I, and, seem, I, and and i say effort but it's it was it's more like i don't know it's like this this uh sort of element of of being completely uh i don't know if it's engaged or just knowing it's like a want to, be. to. yeah something yeah. like that I, because the thing that that that's a good point that that i i think of is there's the difference between losing streaks because I think Nebraska is going to probably lose quite a bit in the next couple months. Um, and if they don't, great. That's way, that's fun. Um, but their Big Ten is, is extremely good. The difference between last year's losing streak and this year's losing streak potentially is last year's losing streak. I mean, they went to Rutgers, at, so they lost to Michigan State, and then they went to Rutgers and they lost. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where. The effort wasn't there. They weren't engaged. You're talking about defensively, all these things. Yeah, the, yeah, right. And it was, and the the reason why that was disappointing was it was a lack of effort when you know that they know better, and that's and a, they that's, know how to do it, and they know yeah, how to and do they've it. Shown that and, they, and yeah. this year, the lack of effort at Creighton, up to it, the, yeah. the the lack of effort at Creighton. Now again, I don't I don't say this to excuse them. They were bad, but the lack of effort at Creighton was a little bit of like they don't quite know better yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they learning. don't know yeah. exactly what it takes because they're so young and all these guys have not played the, before. Um, There's this thing that coaches like to say all the time is like, you you hear this a lot in, in football and basketball of, you know, well, what do you like about this kid or, or what's his issue? And the, the thing they'll always say is like, well, they don't, the problem is they don't know what they don't know. Hmm. And that's, that's the one thing that they're learning is I think that's why sometimes they realize like, oh, this is what it takes to guard on an elite level. I mean, Indiana and Purdue, they guard it man, they guard well. I mean, they gave up 96 points to, to Indiana, but they actually did guard pretty well that game. Um, but then you look at the way they played against Rutgers, and it was like, that's that's not how effort works at all. Right. Um, 
So it's a good point. I mean, I think that if you're a Nebraska fan, yeah, look at defensive effort as well. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious how much progress is made there. We'll see. Yeah. Um, anything else that we need to touch on? I don't think so. How, how do you feel about this Big Ten race right now? Like, you um, asked me about the Big East, so let me yeah. ask you about the Big Ten. What? I mean, I think Michigan State has they, Michigan State reemerged. Like, I think it so. was initially yeah. we both thought, hey, Michigan State's a team. Yeah. Started slow, and the, then the most interesting thing about um the big 10 i think is their team let's see there are one two three four five six seven eight nine ten teams still that are projected between 12 and 8 and 9 and 11 so that's four games basically so it's just like a total lock jam yeah um i think penn state's really good um, I think that Michigan State's really good. Like when you say Penn State's really good, is Penn, Penn State's State, really good for Penn State. Like Penn State's Penn like Penn a State standards five seed, five oh, six, that's good, five though. six seven yeah. seed. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. So like, they're how good would you how would like. you rank? Give me your like top five. How are you feeling about like Michigan that's State's good, one? I like Michigan State. Would you say Ohio State? Ohio State too. Okay. Yeah. They're a weird team where they're probably the best team in the country until sometimes they're just not. I know. You know what I mean. Like, there's I no reason that they should be losing to Wisconsin and Minnesota. I know, but None. I, but is, is it possible that some flaws have been revealed? Here? Maybe. But I just think Ohio State at their best is is just damn hard to stop. Yeah. Um. So I'd say it's Michigan not, State. They're not shooting it yeah. great. Yeah. Um. Anyway, go on. So Michigan State, Ohio State. I like Penn State. I like Maryland. You, so do you like Penn State over Maryland right now, or how? You, mm, probably, mm, I don't. Mm, I don't know. Maryland okay. is is more. They're more talented. That was a long. Mm. Yeah. Long, well, it's because I, it's one of those things where you, do you take the talent or do you take like? There are sometimes like Penn State team of destiny, maybe. right? That's what yeah. I'm saying. There are sometimes where teams are just like, yeah, you know what? Like I would take those crappy. They're games. like building momentum. They yeah. should play all their games in the Palestra, by the way. Yeah. All of a sudden, people watch. are going to games there. Yeah, that was great to watch. Yeah, wow. okay. I saw. I watched a game earlier this year. I can't remember who it was. Um, anyway, wait. Oh, sorry. No, as you say, there was a game earlier this year. I can't remember who it was, and it was it was. You know they were they were at, playing at home, and I was like, "Are you sure they're playing at home? Because there's a bunch of people there, yeah. and this doesn't look right." Um, I would also say Michigan. I mean, Michigan is is they're kind of going through a him and a hog. Livers is hurt. They're yeah, best and, shooter. Yeah, so that, that that's a problem. But I think I think <laughs> they don't have a lot of depth. Juwan Howard has won me over. Yeah, I think he's a good coach. I think he's a good guy. Um, so I think that that they're going to be something you have to actually deal with. Um, but I just think in general, again, the Big Ten. Unless you're playing Northwestern, um, most of the time when you're playing Nebraska, um, you're probably gonna probably gonna win. Um, but I mean, other than those, other than Nebraska and Northwestern, it's kind of a toss-up every single night. You yeah. don't really ever know. And if you catch Nebraska on the right night, then it's gonna be difficult. That's but. and that's what's fast. I, I feel like the Big Ten has a little bit better. It's a little. It's better at the top than the Big East, but the Big East doesn't have the Nebraska and Northwestern at the bottom. So yeah. what would you rather face? Like, would you rather have, like, like look at Minnesota's schedule. But pull up Minnesota. Like, would yeah. you rather have a? Would you rather like deal with the the elite that you're gonna have to deal with? Mm-hmm. Like, they go Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State next. Yeah, they do. They do. You know what this is called? This is called the Richard Pertino gets fired at the end of the year schedule. Perhaps. Good yeah. thing they found a way to beat Northwestern because. Like that's the thing. 
they get Northwestern that game, yeah. and then they have to play Elite. Whereas so the in the Big is, East, it's like you, you rather, don't get. You rather play the top of the top and also really bad teams, or every night just play like a pretty. good But team. you only get like one or two of those really right. bad teams. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. But I don't know. I, that's a good league. question. It's, it's a good. League. Yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, and the thing is too. I I think um, Big Ten. This is just the way the Big Ten is, and it's interesting because Nebraska again, they're super young. How do you it, think they just I mean, got to get some calluses on their bruises? Is basically uh, what they're. This is, may not even be Hoiberg's in his, his like like view right now. Like it made he's driving down the interstate trying to figure things out. He's right. not even thinking about this exit that's two hundred miles down the road. But like building in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. it seems very daunting, right? Like this what do you is, mean building this kind building of program, a program in the Big Ten? Yeah, to be a consistent sort of winner in this league when you're talking about having to compete with the Minnesotas or the, and this is like the Minnesotas, even a team, even a program like Penn state. Uh, those are like, at, those are the teams that are traditionally at the bottom. I'm not talking about like Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois. I mean, here's, here's how I would, how I would respond to that. I think Tim miles was more cognizant of what everybody else in the Big Ten was doing, who they were recruiting, what Nebraska needed to do if it was going to look like a Big Ten team, and was more external in the way he thought of that thing, uh, the way of those things. I think Fred is very internal. I think he's very, like, because I don't, I don't look at Delano Banton and Derek Walker and Shamil Stevenson. I mean, Derek Walker and Shamil are pretty big, but Delano is kind of a, a an odd mix into the Big Ten, but damn he's good you know what I mean like I think I think there were some times where I don't think that Fred is very concerned about building a team that when they walk off the bus you're like oh that's a big 10 team you know is that kind of what you're asking yeah well in a way yes yeah I mean I think well I think you answered it in that Fred's not he's not really wired to assess who he's competing with he knows what it's gonna take yes and so he's just building something that he knows what he likes and what he and what works. Right. And I think his thing is in a similar way of a lot of coaches where it's like, I know what works. It doesn't matter what conference I'm in. Yeah. Um, now I just think it's as, you, be as you go along, you'll see whether or not that actually, you know, sometimes you have to tweak that. Yeah. Um, I think that they're probably, I don't know, maybe you disagree. Do you think Creighton? I mean, Creighton, do you think they've changed since they've changed in the Big East? Oh well, definitely. So that's my yeah. thing. But so sometimes you have to cater to your. But that, but that's different because Fred Horberg was at a power conference. And yeah, but the Big Twelve, Big Ten are different. They are, but I guess they're still similar levels. Sure. Whereas Creighton went from the Valley to the Big East, right. so it's like it's a, a different jump. Um, all right, I feel like we've emptied our notebooks. Our, yeah, we've yeah. emptied the notebook. I like yeah. that. We should have like a little segment where we just like. Hey, by the way, uh, here's something I found. <laughs> I saw I saw this the other day. Here, here's an Thought empty the notebook. Know. Here, um, or, uh, hold on, I saw it a second ago. Nebraska's 11th in average length of possession. There you go. They're going fast. They're also 348th in offensive in in uh, deterring offensive rebounds. Okay. Yeah, that's. And 348th in free throw percentage. Uh. Boy, that's the weirdest thing in the world, isn't it? <laughs> uh, as a segue, if Nebraska and Creighton play today. Who would grab more rebounds? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, boy. Uh, Creighton by 10, yeah. 11. Points-wise, I think Creighton probably wins 
Well, I think it's I think it's probably pretty similar. What was it? Nineteen? I think they probably it was went nineteen. By, yeah, it's twenty two. Yeah. Nineteen with a late run by Nebraska. That was what it was. Yeah. It's probably be about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Probably All right. still true. Well, good chat, Chris. As always, had a good time. Uh you're gonna be covering a couple games this week. Mm-hmm. I've got two on the schedule as well, so we'll have plenty of coverage on uh Omaha.com. The Huskers and the Jays, big one for Creighton, obviously on Tuesday. Nebraska's got a rivalry game. Can we call it that? It can, we can, right? Against Iowa. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fans yeah. feel that way. Yeah. So plenty to, plenty to read, plenty to react to, and we hope you'll do that uh, with us over the next week. We'll be back, I would imagine, at some point next week to break it down yeah, and yeah, preview. Yeah. We'll not be. Well, I'll, I'll, I don't know exactly when we'll speak, but it won't be long. Very good. Thanks, Chris.